Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode on the show, Built with VAs. I'm your host, Valentina Brega, and my guest today is Kristen Thompson, who is a real estate agent and a real estate investor. And I want to hear more about her real estate journey, what she got into real estate, and how it has helped her bring in the right person on board. So without further ado, let's go ahead and get it started. Kristen, thank you so much for being here today. Hey, thank you for having me. I know we've uh, talked a lot back and forth a little bit via email, but we never actually had a chance to sit down and and have this uh, conversation. So I'm super excited about that. Could you tell us a little bit about what you do, who you are, what you do? Yeah, so I'm a realtor. I live in Gainesville, Florida, which is the home of the University of Florida. Go Gators. Most people recognize the Florida Gators, not Gainesville. And uh, I've been a realtor since 2012. We started investing in 2020, buying houses and rehabbing them and then uh, selling them. A lot of people call it flipping, but my husband would be a little annoyed with me. He would be like, no, it's rehabbing. We don't flip. (laughs) But that's what we do. Um, That's uh, the gist of it. Is your husband in real estate as well? Are both of you doing this full time? Yeah, so we both have this as our full time careers. He had owned another small business that we operated. And um, I convinced him to let that one go and to join me full time in real estate in 2019. So we both worked together. And you started when did you say 2012? Yeah, I got my license in 2012. And I took the plunge to go become a full time realtor in 2014. Okay. And what were you doing before real estate? So I worked in the cardiac cath lab. You would come and see me if you had a heart attack, you needed a pacemaker, you know, that kind of stuff, Uh, anything to do with the heart, uh, invasive style stuff. So um, that's what I did. I loved the job, but it just didn't have the schedule freedom and flexibility that having a family and having a life, you know, you need. I was living to work and not other way around. I was just always working and not enjoying life. Is this why you uh, switched to real estate? You were looking for more time freedom, for more flexibility in your schedule? Yeah, so we had our first baby in 2013 and she was born on December 5th. We got a huge surprise uh, that she had a genetic condition called trisomy 18. And when I asked the doctor, I was like, what is this? You know, he said, well, it means that she has one week to one year to live. And I was like, what? (laughs) Are you serious? (laughs) So, you know, the first three to four months was a huge shock. Lots of doctor's appointments, lots of she had two surgeries in that first three or four months. And I extended my maternity leave and I went back for a few months and I quickly said, I can't do this. I want to be with my baby. I don't know how long she's going to be here. So finally that November... I decided to leave and take the leap of faith and become a full-time realtor. And I, I remember telling my coworkers, it was funny because I was like, I would never be a full-time realtor. I, I just couldn't trust the income and that it would be too inconsistent and all these things. And then, you know, the right life push came and just shoved me off of that cliff. And they said, you know, you're going to think or swim. And I think that was the push that we needed to like step out of that employee mentality and become an entrepreneur you know, that kind of mindset. And, and we needed that push from our special needs daughter to get that. So it was liberating. <laughs> and at the time, it was scary. But you know, we gave it to God. And, and it's been amazing. We we're almost at 10 years now. So next year will be 10 years that we've been doing this. <laughs> Congratulations. So she's gonna turn 10 in a few weeks. Yep, Peyton will be 10 years old on December 5th. And we are taking her to Disney for her 10th birthday. 
that's amazing. Congratulations. Thank I can't you. believe the shock you went through. I mean, I, I have an um, almost nine-month-old baby right now, and I just can't imagine the, um, hearing this kind of news. It's, as a parent, it just hits you hard, and you become desperate. I don't think probably your career and everything else was probably the last thing on your mind at the time. We were just looking to do everything you can to be, to be with your daughter more. And Yeah, well, you're absolutely right. It was a gut punch, and we didn't know what that was going to happen. I wish, you know, I could have fast forward to now and told myself then that, hey, you're going to have, you know, at least 10 years with this child. And at the time, we didn't know that. And we just knew that we needed to just survive. We needed to pay our bills and, you know, make it work. And it was a total shock because all of our prenatal visits, everything was normal. We were expecting a typical child and then she was born and it was a shock but she has been the biggest blessing of my life and we have two other kids now so we have a five-year-old and a uh, 10-week-old so Peyton is my happy place she's like a whole being of herself she's like a whole place and I can go with be with Peyton and the stress of the day just falls away and it's just the best thing ever being with her so she's amazing I just can't explain how it is but once people know her and get to know her and spend some time whether they're like yeah this kid's pretty awesome so so is she interested in real estate does she does she show interest in what you do as well well developmentally Peyton's really young <laughs> so she's definitely not 10 developmentally you know she's got her own way of doing things so she's she got a lot of medical issues and a lot of developmental delays so I understand. So you had to change jobs to be with the family more and you looked into real estate. This was a huge jump for you because you had no idea whether this is going to work or not. And how has it been at the beginning? Were you working on a license? Did you have your license back then? Or was that the time when you said, I need a career change and let me get into real estate? Yeah. So I thankfully had already gotten my license in 2012. So about a year and a half before she was born. And I had been kind of like playing around. I was going to have real estate as a hobby career career because I had I had just finished my bachelor's degree and I was bored. So I was like, oh, let's go get a real estate license. Um, <laughs> so I don't know exactly how I even landed on getting a real estate license. Somehow I got interested in it and it was just random. And I feel like God was putting me in all the places that I needed to be. And I remember there was a few, several job opportunities within my career that I had trained for, um, which was in healthcare, that I had sought and like really, really pushed hard to get. And I didn't get them and I was devastated and looking back not getting those jobs were the best thing that happened because it would have put us further away from a major medical center like right now we live in Gainesville which has the Shands Hospital which is associated with the University of Florida it's world-renowned hospital people come from all over the world all over the country to go to this hospital and get care and it's literally five minutes up the road from us so we are exactly where we needed to be. And I, I just say, I think God put us in all the places that we needed to be the whole time. All those doors shutting were for a reason. And, you know, once we took that leap, I had like a few customers that were kind of working with me. But once I decided to go all in on real estate, I was able to work from home. I was able to still with be with Peyton. Thankfully, we had a good support system with my husband and my mom and some other family members, his, my husband's family, that we were able to make this work. So if I had to meet a customer, I could just leave her, you know, for an hour here and there and just come right back home. 
home. So I'd be, I'd leave her for an hour, you know, a day. Otherwise I'd work from home and she would be with me. So I quickly, that first year, I don't remember what my numbers or anything was, but we definitely exceeded every year since I went full time, we exceeded on the income side of things, what we would have made at the hospital. So financially it was amazing, but just on top of that, like all of the people that we got to meet along the way, some of my closest friends are people who started out as some of my customers. And I can't tell you how much of a blessing that is just the people that we have met along the way and just amazing people that are doing amazing things. So that's been the other reward is just the connections and meeting people and helping people who have crazy stories like mine by home, (laughs) you know, so it's, it's been rewarding for a lot of reasons. We're all humans at the end of the day, right? Sometimes I walk in a park or I see some people and say, I just reflect on this. Can you believe that every single person you see, they have their own stories, they have their own struggles, they have their own concerns, they have their own, they have a whole life. Their life is just as complex as mine, right? So, and I feel like a lot of people don't understand that. And it's so easy to connect human to human when you look at it through that lens. Like I'm just opening up to people. I'm just connecting with people. I'm just talking to them because my story might resonate with them. It's all about just, we all share the same life. It's beautiful what you said here. Do you think like you've progressed a lot from, uh, I mean, I'm guessing you did from how you you were when you started 10 years ago, like a lot of lessons learned along the way, being a real estate agent? Yeah, so many, so many lessons. And sometimes I look back at what I was doing 10 years ago and like, ew, that was, you were doing that. <laughs> um, but, you know, so many things. And that that's the thing that I really love about real estate is even, you know, having had a license for what I'm at 11 years now and having doing it full time for almost 10 years. Yeah. <laughs> and um, every day is different. You know, I'm still learning things that, you know, that hasn't come up before. You know, the laws change, people change, needs change. You know, I got my license in 2012. We've never dealt with interest rates over like 4%. So now we're at almost seven or, you know, seven and a half, eight percent interest rate. That's a whole new ball game for me navigating. So it's, it's always changing. There's always, things to keep you on your toes. But instead of like, I see a lot of people who said, well, I'm, I'm waiting for the market to improve to get a license or it's going to be tough or the competition is too tough out there. Unless you actually go through it and you go through the growing pains, you're not going to be perfect from the very beginning, right? It, there's You're going to make mistakes. You, you'll fall flat on your face sometimes, but it's okay. That's where a lot of people stop. And if you continue going, that's how you grow. And you look back, it's like, oh, what was I doing 10 years ago, right? <laughs> Absolutely. And, you know, some of the hardest times that I've had, some of the hardest transactions that I've had to do were my biggest learning lessons. And then those customers actually have become my biggest fans. So, you know, a lot of realtors will hear the lifeblood of our business is referrals. And that's true. Um, So, you know, those hard transactions and the hard houses to sell and the hard ones to get the buyer through are the ones that tend to be the most rewarding. They're not always the financially the most rewarding, but the most rewarding in here. Just personally. So, and then like I said, those customers tend to be my biggest fans that rave and tell everybody about me. So, but definitely lots of yeah, that, that's amazing. If you were to give somebody some advice on how to start in real estate, what kind of personality traits do you think would make a real estate agent successful? Or real estate investors? Or obviously you mentioned connection with people, but what else? Do you have a recipe for that? I think that's a great question. I think you're going to meet introvert, extroverts, yeah, all that kind of stuff. That's not important. You will fall into 
the people that are your people, you know, but I think perseverance is going to be your number one trait and dedication and the perseverance side of it. You're going to get knocked down so many times. And this is just true as an entrepreneur. Um, I feel like, you know, just in general, I feel like sometimes the world is trying to beat you down and you have to be a little bit tougher skin than the world you know, that's trying to bring you down. So perseverance is definitely going to be the the one thing you've got to have. And it doesn't have to always come from you. Um, sometimes, you know, my husband is the person that's pulling me straight back up, you know, and helping me get going again. So having a good support team under with you is huge. Without him, sometimes I think I would have given up a long time ago. He's been a huge support for me. So just having that is essential. Definitely having the right people in your corner is essential. Is it just you and your husband right now? Do you, I know you have a virtual assistant, but do you have any other members of on your team? Yeah. So I also have a um, transaction coordinator and um, she kind of takes over once the property is under contract and she helps with like some of the behind the scenes work, paperwork and stuff. And then of course I have my virtual assistant, which your team blessingly found her for me because um, she is simply amazing. So without her, I don't know, <laughs> this year would have been really tough, especially, you know, I, uh, having been pregnant, I'm not an easy pregnant person. I'm very sickly. And, and then having a 10 week old, I don't know that we would have been able to run things without her this year. <laughs> I understand. Do you, what, what exactly does she do in your company? So her name is Catherine and she does a lot of prospecting and phone calls for me. Interestingly enough, I've never done this as a realtor very, very little, but not on the level that I have her doing. So she does a lot of some cold calling. If we get um, warm leads in, she'll call and make that first contact. And then once she determines their motivation, she'll transfer them to me. And that's when I kind of take over. I kind of see it as like weeding through some of the less serious people or people who are just looking or that kind of stuff. And then, you know, if someone says, hey, I'm, I'm just looking for information right now, I'm going to buy in a year. So she continues to follow up with those people until they get into the what I call like the warm category. And that kind of frees up my time to focus on the right now customers, the customers that are currently selling their homes, the customers that are currently buying or looking to buy within the next three to six months. So it, it frees up my time to focus on those things and to do the marketing side. In addition to that, she is so awesome that I also have her doing, thanks to her, I'm, I've got like, oh, I just put new ones. I think it's nine listings right now. And it's a lot. Yeah, it's amazing. And so we get showing. So I have her following up with other realtors to get feedback for the showings. Because sometimes that can be a little daunting trying to call these agents who don't want to answer you. And so she's my persistent person that's constantly knocking on that door saying, hey, give me that feedback. So that's amazing. In addition to that, you know, when I first interviewed Catherine, I asked her, like, you know, what her goals were. And she wanted to grow with a company. And I kept that in mind because as she gets proficient at certain tasks, I like to add more tasks for her. And it's not to overburden her or anything like that, but she wants to learn. So um, she wants to do more stuff in the business and be a part of the team, which she is. So I'm teaching her some of the marketing side of things and other aspects of the business as she learns. 
This is absolutely amazing. You mentioned earlier that you were not doing some, like you said that she's calling people, you were not doing this before you had her. Was that her experience from her previous job or were you like, hey, let's try this new approach and she said, I'm all for it. How, how did that happen? So we actually hired her or we started looking for a VA because we wanted to find investment properties. And so we were kind of going all in on investing and rehabbing homes. So we wanted someone to start cold calling areas to get sellers that were looking to potentially sell uh, homes. So we had started buying lists and getting names and stuff like that. And as like we started looking at our financials, I said, why am I spending so much money on the investment side of things when that's not where our bread and butter comes from? So our income primarily right now is from residential real estate. So I kind of made this shift. So it kind of came out of that investment side of things and wanting to like go all in on investing. But logically speaking, I was like, I need to focus on our residential business until the investing side gets there. And the interesting thing about it is with her efforts, even though we are focusing on residential real estate, we have acquired two rehab properties in the process. So even though she, where our focus is residential real estate, there are, we do come across the customers that are looking for investors to purchase their home. And these are people who are like, I don't want to wait for it to go on the market. I just want someone to buy it and I want it to be done, you know, and that's, and to my surprise, I'm like, but I can list your house and sell it for more money and get you more money. You're like, I don't want to do that. I'm like, really? Are you sure? Nope, don't want to do it. So I was really surprised that there was people who were give up, you know, a substantial amount of money just to sell it and be done. So that was surprising. And so we did get a couple of those and um, it, it's been good. So yeah. <laughs> Yeah, once you understand the pain points of the people you're talking to, sometimes it's not always about the money. Sometimes it's about solving the problems. It's about how they connect with you. It's about who they trust. And I think um, I speak with a lot of real estate, especially real estate investors. The first thought that comes to their mind, they said, well, they didn't accept my offer because it wasn't the highest offer. I was like, maybe you didn't solve the problem that was the most pressing problem. And when I ask, well, what's the reason they're selling? Oh, I don't know. They're just, they didn't disclose this or they gave me something vague or like, for example, the tenants destroy the property. It's like, do you know more information about this? How are they feeling about this? What's going on? Is it painful because the beloved house was destroyed by someone else? Do they feel comfortable stepping inside or is it going to bring them more pain and they just want to quickly get rid of them? You know, there's a lot of things that once you once you talk to people and understand, it's not always about the money that they're getting. And, you know, it's funny because when I meet with my residential real estate customers, you know, one of the very first conversations we have is like, why are you selling? And what's most important to you in this process? And it to me, it was hard to fathom that people, you know, had such priorities that were so much more than, you know, just getting the most out of the house. So um, a lot of times my residential customers are, I want to sell fast and make the most money. <laughs> so, you know, but there's always unique things in there. Sometimes not selling fast is not the most important. So absolutely touching on that importance of why people are selling and what is actually the most important thing to them. Sometimes on the investing side, a house that was a family home, having them come back later to see the renovation once it was done and letting them know I was going to include them in that process was the was like so important. It, they didn't even know it was that important to them. And I, I offered it to them and they were like, oh, that would be so amazing. I would love that. This was, you know, grandma's house. And, you know, we grew up there. We would love to see it 
turned into something amazing and, you know, all these things. And, you know, we'd walk through and ask them if there was anything that was particularly important to them in the home. And if it was, we would try to include that back into the renovation and stuff. So. Oh, that's beautiful. I love this. You're naturally very good at connecting with people. Has that always been the case? Oh, it's been a lesson learning over the years. <laughs> yeah, uh, learning over the years. And I think my healthcare career helped me with that because we would deal with like one patient at a time. And, uh, you know, we would start with picking them up from the room and talking in conversations and trying to alleviate their stress. So just talking to people and it helps them take their mind off what is, you know, the procedure they're about to have. So I think it just kind of naturally came from that. And then I've just built on it over the years. With Peyton, um, just learning to talk about Peyton and explaining that process and what her needs and complications and stuff are has been a learning lesson. So I feel like, again, all of the things in my life has set me up to where I am today. It's a beautiful perspective. And that's exactly how I look at my life too. I think I tried so hard to get something done and then I didn't achieve what I wanted only to have it so much better than what I initially thought would happen. This is very beautifully put. Hopefully those who listen to get some inspiration. And if you're not on the right path, maybe there's a reason for that. Exactly, exactly. (laughs) So let's say you got, with your virtual assistant, nine listings to rehab properties during what period of time? So, oh gosh, when did Catherine start with me? April or May, I think? So not a long period of time. And that's not including some of the ones that are we have a buyer that's closing with her. They came in through my website, she made the initial contact with that person. And when we interviewed, Catherine was um, actually my second virtual assistant. So I kind of learned some lessons on the first one. When I look back, and this is something when people are hiring virtual assistants, I failed the first assistant, she ended up, you know, deciding we part ways, you know, whatever, but I failed her myself. So you have to remember, even though they're a virtual assistant, they're still a person. So when I brought Catherine on, I was very purposeful with the interview questions I had. I knew all the things that I made mistakes on and that I would have liked done differently you know, that the other virtual assistant made mistakes on and stuff. And it was funny because Anastasia kept saying, you should do this person, you should do this person. And I'm like, no, no, no. I was very persistent that I wanted someone in the same time zone as me. I don't know why that was so important. <laughs> but my first virtual assistant was from Jamaica. And I just thought that worked out really well. But and I guess uh, Catherine's from the Philippines. So I felt bad that people were going to have to work overnight, I guess. <laughs> so I didn't want to do that to someone like, oh, you have to work nighttime hours. That would be terrible. But she loves it. So anyways, I I totally forgot the question and where we were going, but (laughs) where I was going with that. But yeah, so the question, actually, I'm really curious to see, you said you made some mistakes with the first uh, assistant. What what kind of mistakes do you feel you made? How did you fail her? That That's what you said. And yeah, I think that would be really good for everyone to know. I didn't give her enough guidance um, for what I wanted to have done. She had a lot of experience with other companies, but I had to take on that role of saying, hey, this is my company and I'm in charge of it and I'm her employer. And I just didn't give her enough guidance. I kind of just let her, you know, go off and do her own thing. And that might be okay, you know, once they've been with the company for a year or so. I wasn't following up with her. I wasn't checking in with her enough and just doing those things. I didn't have systems in place to set her up for success. I was, and this is just, I think, growing pains. These are some of my first like actual employees. I've always tried to avoid that because I didn't want to manage people. And to grow, you're you're going to have to manage people and you're going to have to take on employees. And it's been liberating for me because I don't have to stress about always being 
on the like ready to call that person or that contact that comes in right away because I know Catherine's going to do that but just uh giving her the guidance that she needs setting up the systems for her putting it in place following up consistently following up with them I tried to make sure she feels like she's not on an island by herself and that she is here with us and that she's a part of the team I'm still you know not as good at this as I want to be but some of the things I like to do is try to at least touch base through her through text message at least one once or twice a day. I'm constantly asking her, how is things working? Do you need help doing this? Is this program or process that we put in place, is that working? Is it easy for you? Is it taking more time than what it's worth to do? So we're constantly running things by each other. And I think just she has the right mentality as well. She's a go-getter. And when I interviewed her, I kind of could see that and feel that, that she wanted to help make the business successful. That was her goal. It wasn't just to like have an income and a paycheck at the end of the week, but she wanted to make this business successful. And I think that was a huge difference. I'm very lucky because I have, um, my team is exactly the same way. It's, they are uh, loyal, they're dedicated. And I know you had a chance to work with my team. So I'm hoping you have a good experience with them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and they were right. And, and Anastasia was completely right on the, the virtual assistants I should have hired. So it was, it worked out. <laughs> It worked out, yeah. And I always make this analogy with uh, car racing. So if you go to a car race, um, you know, to the, the winner, you have to have a good driver, obviously, someone who knows how to uh, maneuver different situations, but you also need to have the right vehicle, right? You take uh, take the best driver in the world and put them not in a sports car, in a regular car, and they're not going to win that race. So this is important because you, when you mentioned the mistakes you made with your virtual assistant, a lot of people maybe think, oh, I get a virtual assistant, it's a hire and forget. But it's not that. You have to make sure they have the right vehicle as well. They could be the right driver, but um, are they? what do they need to win that race? What are you doing on your end to win that race? And I think what you just said here is, is very beautiful. That's exactly what I do with my team. We have meetings or at least touch base with them so they don't feel like they live on an island alone. They want to feel included, right? They want to feel like they're part of a company that's growing and they want to feel appreciated. When they feel this appreciation, they're working out very wonderfully. Uh, what else did you say? So uh, meetings with them, give them guidance. I think I think that's very important as well yeah give them guidance let them know the expectations do you have any uh, scorecards how do you let her know what expectations are does she have a target we did use your scorecards and I do like that. I use Hubstaff to kind of monitor activity and stuff like that. And it's insane her, they send you like this uh, email about productivity. Her productivity is like crazy high. It's insane how high it is. And I kind of do that just, you know, to check through when I make sure she's not like, you know, on Facebook or something. I don't know. She never is. <laughs> so we have that in place and like if you have a scorecard or how, how, do, how do you set the expectations? So I, I do not put too much emphasis on how many contacts we put in there, how many people she contacts in a day. As long as she is being productive, and, I can, and that's where the hub staff comes in, I can see that on there. I want quality over quantity because I get tons of those sales calls on my own phone. Occasionally, and this has not been as much recently, but you know, a while ago, I would entertain some of them. And some of these people, I'm like answering the questions and the question is not even, they'll read, say something back. I'm like, were you listening to what I said? 
good. And it's just like they're just wanting to get it transferred to the next person so that they can mark that down as a win, you know? So we we really went into the details of what is qualifying a lead is and asking those qualifying questions. So we had to do a lot of um, retraining on some things because... A lot of the VAs are, especially when they come with experience, I felt like it's about those numbers and not really as qualifying as much. So we had to do a little bit of retraining on that side of things. So I guess the roundabout answer is I don't have a specific bar that she has to set. And I just said guidance and giving specifics and stuff. But and I think the reason that it works is because of her motivation on her side. So let me backtrack a little bit. If I was seeing that she was not producing results and wasn't having conversations and stuff like that, every time she talks to someone, it's recorded and I can see how many calls she's making because we use Vulcan 7. So we use that. I can see who she's calling. So I know that she's doing it. I just want those qualified leads. And I can see we also use Asana um, and I can see that she's putting notes in there for the warmer leads. So once she actually talks to someone, it goes into Asana. And we have several different categories. I have a category of my own for people I need to call specifically. And then she has like a six month follow up and a seven month follow up. And then they also maybe a little complicated, but we also have them in our CRM. So our CRM emails them like listings and stuff. So as long as we're seeing things happening, that's what I'm happy about. She has gotten very, very hard on herself, actually, because she's like, I didn't get you, you know, an appointment this week. I said, like, let's try to go for, you know, one to two appointments a week, right? So like, I didn't get you an appointment this week. I'm so sad. I'm so disappointed. Like, what can I do differently? I did something wrong this week. You know, she's saying that to me. Um, so that's the first thing I knew that she was like amazing. And I said, well, let's look at what you did this week. And I see we put like, 10 new people in the CRM and they're just getting listings, right? A search results. And then I have like, you know, three or four new people on Asana in the six month follow up. I'm like, yeah, I didn't get no appointments, but we have 15 new people in our pipeline. Those are going to be appointments down the road. So you have to think that it's not all about right now business, right now appointments, but our pipeline is crazy full from the work that she's doing. And again, that mentality of, I didn't get you an appointment this week. And I was like, it's okay, because that's not always going to happen. But you did add, you know, all these other things that were important. So I know it's, again, a roundabout answer, but... No, no, it's very good. I love the fact that she has ownership and uh, critical thinking. And it sounds like so ownership. She owns it. She has that urgency, which I think is very important because we have very strong core values in our company. And uh, I don't know if you have yours defined too, but for us, for example, coachability is very important. And ownership is one of our core values. Before you point fingers at anyone, look at yourself. What could I have done to get you that appointment? And I love that she's coming to you and said, what else can I do to get you that appointment? I understand it's she probably takes it on herself and she's like you said she's being too harsh on herself what can I do uh, teach me I'll take the course I'll do whatever that's necessary to get you those results it's a um, testament to her personality uh, but it's also a testament to you because you let her be that way with you you encourage that you're not seeing this okay you're not giving me the appointment uh, I'm sorry I'm gonna have to let you go you allow her the space to be open with you it, it looks like a very good alignment of core values absolutely you know and that's 
that was one of the first things when she first came on, like the first week I took and we just, we did this. We were on a Zoom call. Um, we basically, I went over my entire business with her. I went over how I work with buyers, how I work with sellers. I gave her the presentations that I give to them. I gave her the whole rundown of how my business currently works. And I also gave her the rundown of what my goals were for the year and how she fit into those goals and helping us meet those goals as a business. So she immediately took those goals on as her own as well. And then she says, well, how many, like, what do we have to do to get there? And you know, the thing that's interesting is she did not have this autonomy and this ability, I guess, at other companies that she worked with. And it just blows my mind here is I'm like, look at all these companies that she has worked for before, who just had the most amazing employee, and they blew it, they lost somebody amazing, because they didn't give her the space to bring her creativity in there. And then ask her the questions about like, hey, what do you want out of this? You know, not just like, hey, what can you do for me? But what can I also do for you? And I personally, I hate cold calling. That's why I hired someone to do it. And I also realized that if she's on the phone 40 hours a week, I don't care if you're trained to do that. And that's what you've been doing for 10 or 20 years, you're probably going to get burnt out and bored on that. So just having some different things that we can throw in the mix. And I guess maybe some people are okay with cold calling 40 hours a week. But when I spoke to her, I could see that there was more there. There was more creativity. There was more that she wanted to do. She's okay cold calling and she does great at it because that is her core job. But during the week, we do throw in training. I give her time to take training. And she says, on the weekend, I was watching a YouTube video and I learned this technique. I'm like, why were you doing that on your weekend? (laughs) You need to do that on my time. Okay. Like I give you so many hours of training each week. Use that for my time, not yours. I was like, you need to enjoy your weekend. So I feel sad for the other companies because they lost someone that was really good. Right. And, and again, it goes back to that analogy with the, having the right vehicle and having the right driver. You might have the most amazing driver, but maybe the vehicle is not yet equipped to have them win the race. It could be the other way around, of course. I think I feel like you're describing some members of my team. I also, I write some ideas on the common chat that we have. I'm not expecting a, an answer back. It's just to get it out of my mind so I don't forget to talk about this on Monday. And then I get a response right away. They just did this research and they give me the statistics. It's like, I was not expecting this to take some time off. I don't want you to burn out. I need you to stay with me long term. Like, you know, uh, I need you to be happy. And is this ownership? What are your core values as a company or you personally have in a company? I feel like these are some of the things where I feel sometimes like I'm not a business. And I think a lot of real estate agents get into this pitfall where they're not, they don't see themselves as a business. And I think that's where a lot of people fail. And I think you need to say, or they expect their broker to do or provide these things for them. And that's kind of going back to one of the questions you asked me earlier, as a real estate agent, you need to take ownership that this is a business and you need to operate it as a business. With that being said, I've never written down the core values. (laughs) But one of the first things that when I met with Catherine, I told her is I said, it's not about us. And it's not about you. It's about this customer that we're working with. And we say, what is the best 
thing for them. Sometimes it's not selling their house. Uh, just for a quick example, I had a customer who reached out to me. I was a listing agent when she bought the house and she reached out to me and she was kind of in some financial trouble and she was behind on her mortgage payments and her mortgage payment was only like $1,200 or something. And she's like, yeah, and when I sell this house, I want you to help me find a place to rent. And I said, how much are you expecting to find something to rent? She had two kids, she needed like at least two or three bedrooms. Two bedrooms would have been kind of hard. And I started showing her what was for rent in the three bedroom, even in the lower side of things, it would have been more than her mortgage payment. So what was best for her was not selling her home, um, even though she was behind. So we kind of, I gave her some tools to figure out how to work with the lender and kind of get at least caught up on that stuff. And so she's just still in her home. So it's not written down, but you know, I think just our values as a, a what we do is, you know, we always do what's best for them and guiding them that right way. Sometimes it is selling their house, sometimes it's not, sometimes it's going the investment route. So it's always about the customer what's doing right by them. I know some real estate agents get a bad reputation because, you know, there's so many of us, but there are some out there and just in any, as in any industry who don't keep that in mind. Hey, sometimes selling the house or pursuing buying this house isn't the best option, but you do just need to give that information to the customer. And like, you know, if she just said, hey, I still want to sell, we would have helped her with that. But once I showed her what rental market was, she was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I, you know, I can't do this. So we worked it for her. So we come across stuff like that all the time. And sometimes, you know, I feel like we were kicking ourselves in the leg or something because, you know, we lose a lot of revenue because, hey, we did the right thing. But I'd rather do the right thing every day of the week over making money. That's important for us as well. You said it so beautifully and I'll have to, I have the same mentality, the same approach, but you put it in a few words that speaks volumes. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's about the people we serve. And uh, it's um, it's absolutely true. You, you're successful. Do you, do you consider yourself a successful real estate agent? Yes, I do. <laughs> I, do. I think so. I mean, from a side, I, th I think you're very successful at what you do. And it's probably because you are being genuine about this. And if you really help people, you have probably referrals. I'm, I'm guessing. I'm not sure. I'm totally taking a guess here. But this trust, this being human pays off. And in a day right now, it's where everyone is so greedy and just get more money. Like you stand out. A lot of people, you can read books about how to stand out, about how to be different, how to crush it in the real estate market. The answer is actually much simpler. Uh, work with people, build relationships, be genuine about helping them out, and it'll come back to you tenfold. Absolutely, 100%. Yeah. So before you had this virtual assistant on board, uh, Catherine, what were your limiting beliefs? Or what, what was your thinking about working with someone from overseas? I was concerned about accents and being annoying. I didn't want to be another one of those companies that was calling like, and you're getting a million of the cold calls every day. I didn't want to be that. And that was one of my things I did not want to be. Part of the reason I had that like, ugh, about cold calling myself is because I didn't want to be the annoying person. And and obviously accents, I know this is terrible to say this and I feel really bad even saying it, but if I answer the phone and I hear certain things, I just like, I'm like, I know that's a telemarketer. I'm hanging out. So I know it's really bad to say it, but it's also very true. Um, it is what it is. So I also, um, part of me felt bad at like, you know, the lower wages. So I felt bad, like, hey, I'm paying this person like a lot less, but I also at the time, 
you know, growing a business um, and taking that leap of faith to have an employee also can't afford to pay like the U.S. wages either. So it was a balance between just like morally feeling good about it. So um, but one of the first things I did was um, looked at what like a living wage was for um, people in the country that she was in and then make sure that we're exceeding that. So just, you know, make sure that that was important to me. But um, yeah, I think that was it. They, I just didn't want to be an annoying company. I didn't want to get that reputation. I was worried about accents. And I'm also, you know, something I guess I haven't even wildly said is like, hey, my my virtual assistant is from a different country and she is living in the Philippines. I don't broadcast that. So I still feel like there's some potentially some stigma around having a virtual assistant in a different country rather than hiring in the US. But with that being said, just like us, you know, we're, I was nervous about hiring because I am taking on this person and I'm taking on the responsibility for their family and all these things. So I have to make sure I'm going to be successful so that we can, you know, pay their wages, you know, so there was a lot of like weight on my shoulders taking on that first employee. And one of the things that I had to remind myself is that when you take on an employee, they should be generating enough income and revenue to cover their salary. If they're not, or if they're not freeing enough time of your time up to go and generate more revenue, do you really need the employee? So that was kind of a a mindset shift for me um, with some of the limiting beliefs, because I felt like I had to go and work more and work harder to make sure that we were bringing in enough money to cover that employee. So Absolutely. And you're you're right about when you say about uh, the accents, telemarketing, I hear that all the time. So in fact, when we look for people, one of the aspects we're looking at is having a minimal to no accent. Uh, You know, I have an accent as well. I mean, I'm not from here originally, right? I moved to the States in 2018, so five years ago. And it's, but a lot of the times what I found from my experience, it's not what you say, it's how you say it. Again, it's how you connect with people, how how much they trust you. And you know that we, uh, Catherine's, her English is phenomenal. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. So good. And so, yeah, that's one thing we're looking at, minimal to no accents when we hire. And about telemarketing, uh, we have a a training program for people who are doing cold calling and and phone sales. And probably one of the main things that we talk about all the time is like, do not sound like a telemarketer. And it's not just the accent. It's also what you say. When you answer the phone and say, hi, good afternoon, good morning. That's not typically what people say here in the States. Little things, little subtleties that make you maybe not trust that person. And I know you said, like, hey, I don't feel good saying this. I, I get it. But, you know, the, the reality is that a lot of people here in the United States are scammed. And it gives a couple of telemarketers give a bad name to everyone else. Unfortunately, it happens. You know, people are scammed and it's natural to have your guard up a little bit. So when you are, if you're doing cold calling, it's important to present yourself well, to establish yourself as an expert, to build that credibility. It's not so much about the accent. It's about disarming people and letting them know it's okay to trust because I have your best interest at heart. So when you do that, that's where the magic happens. And if you are to have an accent, I think the US is probably the best place in the world to have it because it's such a melting pot. And it really is. It, it, it really, really is. So it's not about how you sound. It's about what you say. And it's about how you convey that level of trust. But I completely understand what you mean in, in the back of people's minds. Like, I don't want to sound like a telemarketer. I don't want people to have that association that they may not trust us. Absolutely. And that was one of the uh, things that I worked with Catherine on is um, we had talked about scripts and stuff with uh, we were working with like fired homeowners and uh, for sale by owners, these kind of categories. 
and um, they're getting tons of phone calls already from a bunch of other people. But um, focusing on um, or having a script is a guideline. You do not want to be like, and what is your name? And why are you selling the house? And you know, as like, if you're trying to read off of that script and go one question by the qu another, first, you're going to sound like you're interrogating them. <laughs> and the other thing is, is you're not going to sound natural, or it's not going to sound real. Um, so I was like, you know, you can use it as a guide. But I don't want like a script sitting up on your computer monitor, you reading off of it, because that's not going to be successful. You need to listen to what they're saying, and then have like a conversation, like a natural conversation. And as like, you know, as things go, you'll, you know, you're going to build rapport with them, you're going to get the questions that you want answered. And that, you know, qualifies that lead. So for sure, not even the accent was as important as I thought it was. But the the conversation skills is definitely key. And um, um, that's that was one of the more important things. And we actually and it was funny you brought that up because we did work on that at the very beginning is um, having it as a guide only and we would role play and we still do some role playing activities where we just, you know, bounce ideas and run through things with each other. Yeah, it's very, it's very crucial. It's very important because a lot of virtual assistants, they operate from the old, I had a script I had to follow verbatim. They don't have this freedom to explore with the wording. And you're leaving money on the table because if you're not actively listening. So I always tell people in my training, like, and I do have scripts, you know, I have scripts that you can get, they have worked for me, but but even has that, it is a guide and it has like a list of best approaches. And one of the best approaches is actively listening. Use the seller's own words to build a conversation around that. You know, usually there are safe questions, unsafe questions in a script. So one of the unsafe questions would be something like, yeah, what's your offer? How much are you going to lease my house for? Or how much are you giving me for the house? Right. And you don't want to discuss money right up front. Or if people at the beginning say, you're going to lowball me, I don't want to low, I don't want to get another low offer. Your virtual assistant or your employee follow the script verbatim and you ignore this question, it's going to make you look bad. You look, okay, why are you ignoring that? You probably, that's exactly what you're going to do. Instead, you know, use those words, leverage those words, something like, hey, when you say lowball, it sounds like you spoke with some companies who are not very good. I mean, out of curiosity, what were they giving you? Like, what is lowball to you? And then you just start this conversation, like you're not ignoring them and they're telling you what their pain points are. And you're like, oh, that kind of seems low. What were you hoping to get? And you just, you know, you just develop this natural conversation around a topic that I can't tell you how many times we had conversations like that with sellers. And that's the tr what, the, um, what I'm trying to say in the training, forget about the script. Just connect, connect. Imagine you have a friend of yours or a relative of yours and they come to you and they say, hey, you know that apartment or that house I bought two years ago? Oh, I'm gonna have to sell it, it's completely trashed. You wouldn't ask, oh, okay, how old is the roof? That's not a question. You would be like, what, what do you mean it's completely trashed? Didn't you put like a ton of money into that house? What happened? Exactly. That right? so that's the kind of conversation to have like, be curious, what what happened? How, how come, you know? And going back to like putting them first, you know, if it's not all about us, then why their house is trashed is important because it, it's important to them. So um, just keeping, again, the customer in mind because they're like coming to you because they're like, hey, I need to sell this house because it's trashed. Well, what do you mean? Maybe we can solve this without you having to sell the home um, if that's what's best, right? So I think finding solutions to problems, that's probably like 99% of what we do. <laughs> 
That's amazing. So you, the, right now there's the three of you, you, your husband, and uh, or four, right? Virtual assistant and the transaction coordinator. Yes. Four people. Okay. What's next from here? Oh, I feel like we have three mascots too, which are my kids. <laughs> oh, that's so cool. I love this. I love this. So what's next from here? What, what, do, what do you see the comp- taking the company in one year, in two years from now? Having a 10-week-old, I'm just like, oh, I'm thinking, you know, next tomorrow. (laughs) So one of the big things with me is my business has been consistent, but not growing. Um, So we've been somewhere between like seven and eight million in sales for several years now. And I'm happy with that. Like, we're maintaining, we're good, you know, it's not bad, but it's not great either. So I'm like, where do we how do we level up? So how do we get to 10 million and then 15 and then 20? So um, I foresee that um, hopefully, you know, things are going great with Catherine. And you know, we'll be coming back to your company to, you know, get another VA. And I can see like having Catherine train the next next person and then kind of expanding that team as well. I can also see moving Catherine into more important roles with like marketing and you know, customer relationships type stuff as well. I might also I've been um, the market's weird right now (laughs) um, with interest rates and inventory and stuff. But you know, when we kind of level out from this shift that we're in right now, I can also see having like another agent on board. My husband, although he does work with me on real estate, he's not licensed. He's not a licensed realtor. So I have been nudging him to get licensed so that we can have, you know, two agents on board. So I think, you know, within the next five years, I would love to see our company at around 15 million in sales, if not before that. So doing that would be, <laughs> yeah, would include having another, another, I think another Catherine and and then, um, you know, at least having my husband or another like a potential buyer agent on board. So I can definitely see expanding a team. And there's a ton of talk about real estate teams. And again, I get apprehensive because as soon as you take on that that team member, that realtor, I'm also like, ah, I got to provide for them. You know, um, we got to do what are we going to offer them that's, you know, going to keep them here and not, you know, wanting to go on their own or uh, join a different team. What are you offering them? So you get into that self-limiting belief again. So I feel like every time I I get here, once I jump over that hurdle, I find that it's not as bad as I envisioned it. So hopefully by next year, we'll we'll have at least another agent and then hopefully um, potentially another VA. That's amazing. I'm so happy to see that. And I'm so happy about your success and the way you see things, the way you're building this business. It's been such an amazing conversation. One more quick question just on the top of my head. Uh, You mentioned earlier, and this, I think a lot of the listeners will be curious about this as well. You mentioned earlier that you're sharing your goals with your virtual assistant as well. Do you also share the financial goals? Like, hey, this is what we're making. This is how much I want us to make in the next year. You share that information too? Absolutely. Yes. And I say, okay, well, I broke it down just like um, I know some of the coaching um, companies do this as well. And I'm sure I learned it along the way. I, Bill Allen says this all the time. It's I have no original ideas. <laughs> um, it's just how you represent them, right? So um, anyways, I say, okay, if we want to make 10 million, all right, this is the average price point of our sales in our uh, area. So how many houses do we have to sell to make this? And actually I say, okay, if the average is 400, let's drop that down to 350 because not every house is going to be 400 you know, let's just make it harder for ourselves. So we're going to do our average $50,000 less. So how many houses do we need to sell? Okay, so if we need to sell 30 homes this year to get to 10 million, 
that's, you know, this many a month. Okay, how many appointments do we have to go on each month to get this many sales? Uh, so I break it down to all those numbers. And that's why when Catherine was very stressed out because she's like, we didn't get an appointment this week, you know, she was so stressed out. I'm like, yeah, you forgot that you didn't get an appointment this week, but we had three last week. And, you know, it doesn't have to be, you know, consistent every week. It's two appointments. You know, if you got four one week, that makes up for the none this week. <laughs> so, um, and I think that's, that's the real hardest part about real estate is things don't come like two every single week or, you know, two closings a month. Uh, historically, I will have 10 closings in July and none in October. <laughs> so um, that's, that's the challenging part about real estate. And I think that also is, one of my goals that having Catherine and having a support system in a VA and stuff like that is to actually get that consistency throughout the entire year. Cause that is probably one of the biggest hurdles and stressors about being a realtor, having those consistent sales every month. But I love it. Yeah, that's kind of where we're at with our goals. And I absolutely share. And I've been keeping her on track with where we were as far as like what we where we're at with meeting those goals. So I feel like a lot of people are, are afraid to share their financial goals or where they are financially because, well, what if the VA will think I make too much money and then they will want this and they will, you know. But in reality, I find that you have a common goal, a common purpose purpose, a common direction to go towards. And if anything, it makes you stronger. It makes you more goal-oriented. And they want to work for a successful company. They want to know that they are they have stability. I have one-on-ones with my um, team members and I talk to them, what is important to you? What are you looking for? And they say, I want stability. I want to make sure that I'm not looking for a job uh, or that I work for someone who's not paying me. I want to see you grow because I like it here. I'm going to stay with you until I retire. I want to make sure that I am, um, that I don't have to worry about this. So let's make this company successful. And we give bonuses and everybody won one benefit. So that's, um, that's amazing. That was one of the things we had a Catherine got a bonus that she wasn't expecting. And it was her first bonus she's ever had. So first off, that made me feel really good. But she was like, I wasn't involved with that. I'm like, but you're a part of this team. And she goes, all right, but I'm getting a, bo- I wasn't involved in that. And I'm like, are you on the team? <laughs> she said, yeah. I'm like, okay, then you were involved. Um, So I think that made her, I think she wasn't involved. She had nothing to do with that one. I think that just made her feel like really, really good. Cause she, I think that was one of the first things she's like, Hey, this is a team effort. Yeah. And I think we've given her two raises. <laughs> and like I said, she started with us in like April or May, we've already given her two raises and we do have a bonus structure um, that is pretty liberal. And, you know, at this point, my goal is to make her happy because I sure as heck don't want her leaving. If she leaves and I have to train somebody else, I have to find somebody else. I mean, and then I have to go through the the growing pains of whether or not they're going to be as good as she is. You know, I don't want to do that. I want to keep her happy. She's amazing. I'm I'm good with that. <laughs> and, and she wants to see our business successful. So yeah, you got to keep the people, you, the good people you have, you got to keep them happy and you better find out what, what their goals are too. And I think that, you know, having that conversation when we, when we first interviewed was doing other things and learning more aspects of the business was important to her. And yeah. And just asking how, how, how are things going? And I wrote a contract or I wrote a listing agreement with a seller that she had brought in. And the first thing I did is I called her and I was like, we did it. We got this one. And I was like, you know, congratulating her and, you know, plotting her. I, it wasn't nothing financial I gave her. I just, you know, I said, thank you. I was like, this is amazing. Look what, 
look what you did. Like you brought this buy this seller in and actually it was seller and buyer that around the same time here. You brought them in, you know, you gave them to me, handed it off. And then we, you know, worked it together. You followed up with them and I followed up with them and then we got them to sign the contract. So it was amazing. So it, it just worked all beautifully and just calling her and saying, whoa, we did this. It was awesome. She was so happy about that. Just making them a part of the team. I love it. I love it so much. I could talk about this all day. I know you have a 10 week old. I have a nine month old who also there's um, it's amazing what you can do as a mom to such a small kid. And I know they take a lot of your attention as well. And you're crushing it on in everything. And I'm so happy to for your success. And and it's been such an amazing chat. And I, I want to thank you for finding the time. I know it's difficult to find the time, but I want to thank you for this. And I truly enjoyed it. I, I got a lot of golden nuggets for myself. And I hope the listeners got a lot of good information from here as well. Thank you for sharing your success and what works for you. I appreciate it. Thank you. And um, thank you for having me and it was a great talk I enjoyed it thank you so much bye